Morning, Senior Pastor. Blessings to you. Morning, Pastor Home. May the Lord bless you and I as we go through this lesson today and that people will be empowered. Amen. And that's what we are seeking for is, is to be empowered by the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, we're going to be looking at Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, our three divisions are divine power, divine calling, divine revelation. Divine power, divine calling, divine revelation. Um, you know, Christ empowers believers to live as his witnesses. Um, and as we go through this lesson, we're going to find out how he has empowered us. Uh, Peter kind of left a blueprint. He provided a framework by which we should live. And as we go through this lesson, I hope um, that will be made clear to the hearers um, of this teaching. Uh, we are in a living relationship with God, a living relationship with God. Um, from this living re uh, relationship, we expect from God things like his salvation, his provision, and his presence. What we sometimes fail to understand, though, is that he expects some things from us like obedience, commitment, and worship. Again, what God expects from us is obedience, commitment, and worship. However, God never expects without giving us the ability to fulfill those expectations. Why? Because he is fear. His expectations are reasonable. We can and must grow in his grace. We can and must grow in his grace. But we need a plan. So here Peter lays out for us some resources made available to us as Christians. Things like God's promises, you know, having a godly character, um, you know, having his word, reading his word, the Bible. This is the only way we are going to see growth in our lives, both individually and corporately as the church. But it is, as Peter put it, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things. So let's start by, you know, looking at the first four verses in Peter, in Second Peter chapter 1. Senior Pastor, divine power. Thank you, Pastor O, and um, I ask everybody to pray this morning, pray right now that the Lord will give us all the anointing. For us, the anointing to impart it. For you, the anointing to listen and to receive it, to accept it, and to do it. It is useless if we are going to be teaching and preaching and it's not bearing fruit. It is useless if you as a Christian not bearing fruit unto the Lord. He says that any fruit that, any tree that beareth not fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So he expects us to grow. And the lesson today tells us who we are. 
We have been saying that from the other day. And who are we? We are an empowered people. Let me say that again. We are an empowered people. In previous lessons, Peter called us chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people, among other stuff. Here today, we have power. And some people don't realize what they have. We have power, dynamo power, power over the devil, power over the gunman. Nobody controls you. Can I tell you again? Nobody controls you. Only God. We follow the leaders. We follow the pastors as they follow Christ. But nobody has power over you. So today, Peter is reminding us that we have divine power. And if it's divine, it only comes from God. And um, we have divine power because we are his children with awesome promises from God. Let me say that again. We have divine power because we are his children with awesome promises from God. And Pastor, oh, I'm just going to do this first segment of the lesson because there's so much in it, and then you can do two and three. First um, Peter 1, 1 to 4 says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He says, grace, what a greetings, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Why? According as his divine power hath given us all, us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding children, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And I think everybody could say, Amen to, to that. Now, what was this for? What was he saying? Why this salutation? This salutation, this greetings, this exhortation informs us that spiritual leaders are divine gifts from God. Let me say that one more time. Spiritual leaders are divine gifts from God. God. These leaders provide an example to follow. And I hope we're doing that. They follow an example to follow, to contribute to the expansion of the kingdom of God. 
and have given talents, blessings, and works to share. And listen this. Here the earthly source of this message is Peter, one of the twelve. He was not perfect, as we know. It was Peter who took out his sword and cut off the high priest servant here. It was Peter who said, I don't know him. It was Peter that the Lord rebuked and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. But yet it was Peter that when God, when Jesus said, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, and he said, Whom do you say that I am? And it was Peter who got the revelation and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So he was not perfect, yet he was God's chosen leader as an apostle, a messenger or representative from God, and a servant, one who ministers to others as unto the Lord. Now note here, that Peter was not perfect. We do have imperfection. We are, um, do make mistakes, but we are God's chosen leaders and need to be respected as, as such because we are representative from God. We are one who ministers to others as unto the Lord. Peter was well aware of the tension between the two callings that become one ministry. Now, who was he writing to here? The recipient of this letter are those who have received through a divine gift the faith that is equally precious and honorable as ours. Us, those of us who are called by the name of Christ, those of us who call ourselves Christians, those of us who profess that we are saved, no matter how, in, how far in time we are removed from the cross of Christ and the proclamation of his witness, we have the same standing in the sight of God as the apostles. Even the least in the kingdom are as great as the greatest. Let me repeat that. Even the least in the kingdom are as great as the greatest. And he spoke about um, the writing of John and the saying of John the Baptist, who said he was the least in the kingdom, but look at what he did. He preached the word, he introduced Christ um, as the Son of God, the one that is coming who is mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. You know, Jesus said, as much as you have done to the least of my saints, you have done it unto me. You can you could read Matthew eleven eleven. You can read um, Matthew twenty five Matthew eleven twenty five to forty or twenty five to forty and Ephesians three verse eight. We find that through the power of God. We have access to everything we need for life and godliness. And I think I need to tell somebody that. Through the power of God, not through your own strength, not through anybody else empowering you, but through the power of God, we have access to everything we need for life and godliness. 
You don't have to be searching through God's power. You can say to the mountain, remove. If you are sick, you can lay hands on yourself and pray for healing. If demonic power confronts you, you can rebuke it in the name of the Lord. Amen. And Peter says that we have it in Second Peter 1, 3. It is a promise that God made to supply all our needs for life on the earth as well as whatever we need to live in right relationship with God. It was Paul who said, He shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. So, my friends, through that, we are called to reflect God's majesty, God's glory, and God's goodness, or God's excellence. We are called to a life of excellence. We are called to a life of virtue in the midst of the darkness. And we are living in a dark age now. Darkness surrounds us. But, oh, my friend, we are called to reflect God's glory. Our ability to participate in this provision of God is dependent on our knowledge of him. Just like the person who is a dunce, who is not literate, and um, can't really present themselves. And um, it's the same thing. You know, a dance is a dance. You, you don't know much. So when they, when they talk, although I've known people who couldn't, we had a deacon who couldn't read and write well, but when it comes to business, you couldn't fool him at all. But you know if you had to do certain things with him that there are certain things that he couldn't, couldn't do. So it's the same thing in Christendom. Our ability to participate in this, to live in right relationship with God, to reflect God's glory, is our ability to participate in this provision of God. And it's dependent on our knowledge of him. Do you know him today? How much do you know about him? How much can you talk about him? How much do you know about the word? A study, we are told to show ourselves approved unto God. And my friends, listen this here, because some people have it otherwise. It is not just mental knowledge. No, 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 no. You could go to all the school that you want. And, and knowledge is good. I'm not knocking knowledge at all. Education is good. We should have as much as we possibly can because it helps you to talk to kings and queens and prince and princesses and so. But it is the spirit. It encompasses the spirit, emotion, and will. So what is it? It is knowledge that willfully and intentionally experience God. It is the knowledge that willfully and intentionally experiences God. What are we saying? We are saying that you must know him so intimately that we flow in and with his love and power. Don't be a dunce. Don't be illiterate to the gospel that you have been given to the Bible. 
Know it. Study it well so that you can defend it. So what we're asking this morning, sunshine, my friend, zero in. We are not ordinary people. We are extraordinary people. Let me say this again. You are not ordinary people. You are extraordinary people. That's why I told you that uh, in previous lessons, we, we, we are called chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people. That's what you're called. You're not like anybody else. And I've said it already, but let me say it again today. You're not like anybody else. You're different from anybody else. So when you go to work and them are play with you and they'll make you look like you don't know what you say, like you're, you're, you're talking nonsense, you are not ordinary. You're extraordinary. Go in to work with your head hell high. Keep your integrity. Don't let people put you down. Say whatever you have to say in the name of the Lord because you're not ordinary. We are the head and not the tail. Can I tell somebody that again? We are the head and not the tail. So stop living below your means. Turn that key and shine. Shine wherever you go. Shine in your school. Shine at your workplace. Shine in your community. Shine around God's people. Shine wherever you go. Because you have been called with a special calling. You have been endued with holy and supernatural knowledge. The ability to grasp with the lofty goal is not left to our own abilities. The arm of flesh will fail. We dare not trust our own. It's not in your mental ability. Yes, it's good to be to have that as well. But it's not just mental knowledge. It is truly willful and intentionally experience that you have with God. We are the recipients of very great and precious promises. Again, it was Paul who says, "What well, everything I gain, I count my dung, dirt, for the knowledge of God. So we are endued. We are the recipients of very great and precious promises. You have a promise that God has given you. Fulfill it. The Old Testament is full of promises. And what are these? Some of these, and we can't name all of them, but promises of deliverance. God promised to deliver you as he delivered the children of Israel. Promises of healing. He's not obligated to heal you. But, oh, Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. Chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are all healed. The healing can take place, my friend. Oh, praise the Lord. And sometimes it's not just physical, but it's spiritual healing. Some of us need spiritual healing. So he has promise of deliverance, healing, and hope. We are not a people without hope. We have hope. We have hope in Jesus. Hope. Hope in God. And this is just a few. And those promises are fulfilled in and through Jesus Christ, not in anybody else, not in the president, not in the governor, but through Jesus Christ. As are the New Testament promises of salvation, the second coming, 
and a new home. We have salvation. We're waiting for his second coming. And we're going to receive a new home. So enjoy your home right now. But you're going to have a mansion. It was the song writer who said, I have a mansion just over the hilltop. And it's reserved for those who believe in him. Now, these promises enable us to be partakers of his divine nature. I want you to know today, according to 2 Peter 1 verse 4, there are aspects of God's nature or attributes in which humanity cannot participate. And what are they? What are they? They is omnipresent, is omnipotence. These are ever qualities of God in which we can share. And what are they? Such as love, life, holiness, and goodness. And you might want to write it down, so let me repeat that again. Qualities of God in which we can share love, life, holiness, and goodness. Life, love, life, holiness, and goodness. And the works of God in our lives enable us to escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And here Robert Cook, he says, The Bible, God's inheritance word, is forever true, whether or not anyone reads or believes it. But it becomes of value to you when you get hold of it for yourself. So true. Never leave a passage of scripture until it has said something to you. You ever find yourself reading a scripture and it's bothering your mind and you have to read it over and over and over again? Well, that's what we're called to do. Read the scripture until it has said something, until it jumps out at you and speaks to you as we are speaking to you this morning. Now, in order for us to accomplish and receive all of these promises, we must we must possess godly character. Godly character. So if we're saying godly character, there is a character that is not godly. There is a character that is ungodly. Second Peter 1, 5-7. And beside this, said Peter, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Oh, yes. Let me read it again. Add to your knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. Some people are not patient at all. Some people are very impatient. We must be patient with each other. Amen? We must celebrate each other. We must not get roughed and get upset. Some people get upset at every sentence, at everything that is said. We need to pray and ask the Lord to help us and to give us temperance. Amen? Calm down your temperament. 
Calm down. Stay steady. Look over some things. Don't jump at everything. Because if everything that is said, you're going to react to that, you will forever be in trouble with people. But oh, add the knowledge temperance and temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. Now, character is best understood as who we are when no one else is looking. I'm sure you want me to say that again. Character is best understood as who we are when no one is looking. Some people are only good when they are in the crowd. But outside of the crowd, if you ever listen to them, oh my Lord, if you ever see them, you would be surprised. It is who God knows us to be. Character is who God knows us to be. Remember that he said he could trust Job because Job didn't practice evil. I know Job, he told Satan. I know Job. I can trust him. And, 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 and Satan challenged him, say, it's because you have a hedge around him, but move the hedge and see what will happen. And in spite of all of that, Job kept his integrity. Even when his wife turned against him, Job still kept his character, never sinned. Amen. Character governs conduct. So its development is crucial to the spiritual health of the believer. Character governs conduct. So its development is crucial to the spiritual health of the believer. How is your character this morning? How do you govern yourself? How do you govern your character? How do you govern your, your behavior? Each of these qualities builds on the previously mentioned one. They all start with faith. The first inequality is moral excellence, which means virtue. God is not looking for people who simply do right. He's looking for people who do right because they are right with him. I hope you wrote that down. The second inequality is insight and understanding, which is called knowledge. It is knowledge that discerns God's nature, will, and purpose. It is God. It is knowledge that discerns God's nature, God's will, and God's purpose. What does he want for me? What is his purpose for my life? Does it mean that I'm going to get rich? Might not be. But I can still serve God. Does it mean that I can't own a house? Might be. But I still serve God. Because we talked earlier that he has a mansion prepared for us. And he wants everything good for you. So he's not holding that from you. But some things that we have, they hinder us from serving God. And sometimes he doesn't give it to us or sometimes he takes it away because he wants us to get closer. He wants us to get high in him. Um, that discern God's nature, will, and purpose and 
continually develops from being immersed in the Word of God and the flowing of the Spirit. Thus, it is aware of the spiritual forces at work and knows how to effectively counter them through the Spirit. Now, I have a question for you. And I hope you can answer to the best of your knowledge and ability. What do you do when you are not in church? What do you do when you are not in church? Sometimes I'm not home. Sometimes I go to the park and I walk. And sometimes I, I stay there and I have my little New Testament Bible. And I just read. Sometimes I'm just, just um, listening talking to God, get away some time and spend their days I like to be all alone with Christ my Lord. So what do you do when you're not in church? Can God still depend on you? What do you watch? What do you listen to? What are you feeling? How do you feed your soul? These are all questions we need to ask. The third inner quality is discipline or self-control, which means temperance. It is willfully placing the desires of the flesh in submission to God. It is willfully placing the desires of the flesh in submission to God. God. You, you hear the saying flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The fourth inequality is persistent or perseverance. Persistent perseverance which gives you patience. Do you have patience this morning? Or do you get roughed? The growing Christian must remain loyal to the faith and promises of God despite the circumstances. Must remain loyal to the faith. Must remain loyal to the church. Must remain loyal. If you remain loyal to God, you will remain loyal to his church. Some things are going to happen at church that rough with you. Some things are going to be said that you don't understand. But if you follow around to know, you shall know my my. Pastor and overseer, R.C. Smith, used to say, some things you don't understand, but put it up on the shelf, and you might need it later. Um, He also said, R.C. Smith said, that salvation was not feeling. It is knowledge. It is being assured. Whatever happened, whatever he said, if you don't understand it, ask questions. If you don't understand it, pray about it. If you don't understand what is going on, ask God to give you an understanding so that you can understand. The last inequality listed here is godliness. This is the decision to live in a way that is always conscious of God's provision and presence. It is leading a life that is a visible testimony to God and brings him glory. Amen. It is, a leading, it is leading a life that is a visible testimony to God and brings him glory. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
The passage progresses to qualities that are more outward in their expression. As we develop the inner person, as we develop the inner attitude, the outward person responds to that development. For example, the heart governs what the mouth speaks. Hmm. I could preach a whole message on that. The heart governs what the mouth speaks. Hmm. The thoughts in which we dwell affect our behavior. It is a compelling reminder of how the spirit affects the flesh, both positively and negatively. Peter calls for two types of love to be developed and shared. Together, these types of love fulfill Jesus' summary of the Old Testament expectations. Brotherly kindness is love for a brother or sister and is used in the New Testament for love between fellow believers, spiritual family members. Jesus declares that our love for fellow believers serves as a powerful witness of our faith. John 13, verse 35. The scope of our love is then extended beyond the church through the highest degree of love, which is called agape love, God's love. It is a deep, devoted love that originates not from a feeling, but a decision. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Agape love, that's what Jesus did. Even though we were yet sinners, he died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All right, the last one in this segment is the necessity of spiritual growth. Yes, we have promises. We have divine power. We have godly characters. And this should develop into helping us to grow spiritually. It is necessary, very necessary. Just like a baby grows and you have milk until you go eat um, mashed potato and you start give a little meat until you can chew the bones. Is the same thing happen? We must develop spiritually in God. We cannot stay at the same station. We must move on to perfection. As Christians, it is necessary to grow. It was Paul who said that we should, when we should be eating meat, we are still drinking milk. Are you at that stage, say, for many years, but can't handle yourself, can't even give a good testimony, can't pray a prayer? We must reach to the stage where we are spiritually ready. So when we are in church, even if we are called upon, suddenly we are ready. I used to be um, an evangelist in my early days. Still am. Still am. But I used to do evangelistic work, street corner meetings and, and go to revival services and so. And sometimes I wasn't going there to preach. Somebody told me I was going to preach. But I'd never gone anywhere unprepared. It still happened. 
You might go somewhere and they call on you suddenly. It might not be right, but as soldiers, you must be prepared. When, when they have something that happened overnight, don't them just call up the soldiers and say, come on, you're shipping out today or tomorrow. So kiss your family goodbye and come on, let's go. It's the same thing with the church. We must be ready, ready, ready to read the Bible, ready to pray, ready to give your testimony. Some people can't even give a testimony when called upon. Your testimony is what you have been through, is how God has been keeping you, is how God has been providing for you. And I, I could understand with like scripture reading that, you know, some, some words are hard to call, but so what? Be ready, my friends. Be ready. What if you come to church and pass this week? I, when I was at the Mackin Avenue Church, when Bishop Graham came, he was preaching one day and he took sick and couldn't finish the message and he just handed the mic to his wife, Sister V, and man, she preached as if they studied the, the word together. And I never forget that. We must be ready at all times. Sometimes the Spirit will prompt you. Will prompt you. And you, 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 you should be ready to go to pastor and say, well, the Spirit is asking me to do so and so. A good pastor will listen to what you have to say and put you on. But we must be ready. Should be, these spiritual qualities should be evident in our lives and abound in such a way that they are called to increase continually. Some people undertake spiritual discipline only because they are required to do so. Or pastors say, you must do so and so. That's the only reason why I'm doing it. No. Search for yourself and do it because, because the Spirit and the Bible and God tell you to do so. Some people undertake spiritual discipline Discipline only because they are required to do so. They usually do no more than is required. These individuals are also usually unhappy, unfulfilled people, always finding fault. Others do the same things joyfully because they want to develop and mature and prepare themselves for further service, excel in the faith, and please God. The apostles say those who undertake spiritual growth willfully with zeal, abound, shall not be barren. There must be fire burning inside of you to do things for the Lord. When you see things need to be done and there's nobody to do it, you must be ready at all times. There should be something burning inside of you. Something, youth department need this. Women's department need this. Men, men need that. The church need that. I need to do so-and-so to help my pastors. That's where you need to be. Those who neglect or do not possess these qualities lack it. Are nearsighted and blind. I didn't say that. Okay? The New Testament often illustrates loss of spiritual vitality through the imagery of blindness. Lost sight results in forgetting the importance of being cleansed from past sins. Oh, when we were in sin, we served sin. Now that we are called to righteousness, we must be righteous. We must do righteous deeds. However, if we forget what God has done in the past, we will not expect cleansing in the present. If we are not cleansed in the present, we have no future. We either grow or we deteriorate. And I'm ending on that. 
We either grow or we deteriorate. And I could preach a message on that too. Are you growing? Are you sincere? Are you a progressive Christian? Or are you wish a wishy-washy Christian? You know, when every little wind of doctrine blows you away, everything you hear hurts you. Leave some things alone. God will work it out. So I say to you this morning, sunshine, in closing my part of it, break up your folly ground and sow not among thorns. Break up your folly ground. Rise up, O children of God. Rise up, O church of God. You're called to service. If you're in the service for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. Make sure you're on the firing line. Make sure you're ready to attack the devil if he comes to attack. Make sure you're not afraid of him, but make sure you're in the faith. Keep on the firing line, my friend, because you are in a battle. It's a battle for the souls of men. It's a battle. It's God's battle. And he's helping us to fight the battle. Fight manfully onward. Fight with all your might. Stay prayed up. Stay sanctified. Stay in the fight. Don't fall out the race at all. Stay in the race. Even when you get bullet wound, stay in the race. Oh, the sweet of the battle is the sweet of the victory. Come on, my friends. Let's pull it up. Soon we will be able to get together again, go to church together again. Soon we will make new appointments and so on. And we need everybody to pull up your socks. Some might not be with us anymore. Some might not be there. But somebody, God will rise up, raise up somebody to stand in the gap. Come on, my friends. Come on. Do you know Jesus this morning? Do you know him? God bless you today. Oh, I could preach. I could preach now. I feel all right. But God bless you today. As we lean on his promises, as we um, realize that we have divine power and we display godly character and we grow spiritually, God bless you today and lead us right into divine calling, the assurance in spiritual growth. Take it away, Pastor Ho. It feels good. Amen. Thank you, Senior Pastor. And I kind of like what you said, you know, um, when I kind of like what you said. I mean, this, this lesson is, is, is quite powerful. Um, when you talked about leaving things alone, there are times as Christians in our spiritual growth that we take up things that we not that we should not take up we we interfere in the work of the lord as opposed to allowing the lord to work on our behalf to work things out so we need to recognize that as we grow spiritually that we need to leave some things alone i love that leave some things alone allow the lord to work things out on our behalf Allow him to do his work, to do his bidding in our lives and in the life of the church. All we are called to do is to, is to pray and to, and to seek his face and to turn from our own wicked ways. 
so that we can hear from heaven that he can uh, forgive our sins and heal our lands. All right, Second uh, Peter chapter 1, continuing or furthering the discussion on spiritual growth. Second Peter 1, verses 10 through 11. Uh, we are talking about the assurance in spiritual growth, the assurance in spiritual growth, or the assurance we have as we grow spiritually. First, let us define terms here. I think, Senior Pastor, you did a, a great job. Um, so I'm just kind of furthering the conversation here. What does it mean to grow spiritually or does the phrase spiritual, what does the phrase spiritual growth mean? Well, let's look at our physical growth. There are different stages and phases of growth from the time we are born to the time we die. From what we eat to how we dress, we are constantly changing. So it is with spiritual growth. Sinclair B. Ferguson said this, spiritual growth depends on two things. First, a willingness to live according to the word of God. Second, a willingness to take whatever consequences emerge as a result. So let's look at what Peter says in verses 10 and 11. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan tells of pilgrims seeing the doors of the heavenly city opened for a brief moment. What Pilgrim sees during the brief time encourages him to fight even harder the rest of the way. While we have not had a literal glimpse of heaven, God has given us a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, as stated in Ephesians 1, verses 13 through 14. The portion of God's power we have received through the presence of his Spirit should intensify our efforts to be with him throughout eternity. As I stated earlier, this is all about making it to heaven. That's what this is about. It's not about getting fancy cars and houses and, and things that are temporal and things that, are, that, that perish. We are looking at an eternal view. And as we continue our spiritual growth, or this spiritual journey, there are some truths that we need to remember. And Peter talked about it uh, in... Uh, Verse 12 through 15, he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Simon Peter thought it right to remind his readers while he was living 
of what they already knew, for he was conscious that his death was not far off. Because of Peter's impending death, he wanted to impart that which he already knew. And I uh, submit to you as hearers today that there are some older in the faith that need to start imparting truths, that need to start imparting their experience to the younger generation. Because we have a generation that is raising up that have not experienced certain things, especially uh, spiritual wars and fights and battles and struggles. Uh, They don't understand what the older generation had to go through, the times when they had to skin their knees uh, in in prayer, uh, the times when they had to call out on the name of the Lord uh, for their deliverance. And so I think it's time, as Peter shows us here, that the older generation start to impart uh, to the younger generation the experiences that they have received, that, that they have gone through over the years. Um, always remember those virtues he spoke about in verses 5 through 7, to make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love it all comes back to love so we're looking at our divine calling and we're recognizing that there are assurances uh, in our spiritual growth there are there are assurances in our spiritual growth and and peter is is reminding us that we should give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Make your calling and election sure. Do whatever you need to do in order to make it. Um, You know, there are times when the the battle is going to be difficult. There are times uh, or, or circumstances that we may face that cause us to, to, to doubt and, and cause us to have a, a certain amount of fear as to what the future may hold. But we should pay attention to what Peter says here. Make your calling and election sure. That's our, um, you know, that's our responsibility, that we should pay attention to that which we have been taught and that which we have experienced. Uh, Verse 12 through 15, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Man. Um, Then we go on to 2 Peter uh, 1, verse 16 through 18, uh, that there are, there are things uh, that we will see and experience um, that God will download in our spirit. There will be divine revelation um, where God shows us uh, things through his word that we may not know with our own ability or through our own knowledge. Um, And Peter here says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Very important. Underline that. Right? He said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, and we were with him in the holy mountain. And if you want to revisit that account, you can go to Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Peter informs the readers here that their faith is not founded on cunningly devised fables. So what is a fable? A fable is a myth that contains just enough truth to be enticing and believable, but twists the truth to present the ideas of the myth's teacher. These fables are contrasted to the truthful eyewitness accounts of the apostles and others who witnessed the powerful ministry of Jesus Christ. Peter is not presenting something he has heard or invented, but something he witnessed Mm -hmm. And experienced, and I want to say to you that your your experience is not false. Your salvation is not false. That which you experience, that transformation, that change that happened in your life is not false. Don't let anybody deceive you that what you are experiencing, that you your faith in God is false, is not true. Um, in order to discount your faith. They want to discount God. They want to say that God is not real, that God is not true. Don't let anybody discount your faith because we all have our experiences at the time of our conversion. Some people have a spiritual experience while others have a practical experience. I I, I was listening uh, this past week um, to a podcast and uh, there was an individual that called in and said, you know, I often hear of my friends or other people or other believers talking about this uh, spiritual experience that they had. And he admitted to the host of the podcast that he didn't have such an experience. But in his research, as he looked into Scripture, he believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. So he didn't have a spiritual experience. He didn't have an experience like Saul on the Damascus Road when he got that life-changing experience. He had that encounter with Jesus. There are some people that don't have that spiritual experience, but there are others that come to God and say, I know that you are real, and I believe that you are God. I believe that your son Jesus Christ died uh, for my sins. So there are people that will have spiritual experiences, and there are others that will have practical ones. Uh, We all remember that time when we made that decision. Here Peter was speaking of a spiritual and practical experience, a divine revelation of Jesus Christ. There are some of us that will not have a certain type of experience. All of our experiences are different. But, oh, we pray for a divine revelation of Jesus Christ. I pray that as you read Scripture that it jumps out at you that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
Jesus' role as the true revelation of God is solidified through Peter's recounting of the transfiguration account. And I want to say to you, it's, it, you know, that song, sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Uh, think about your experience. Think about the time when, when you got saved and, oh, how beautiful an experience it was. Over time, we forget. But I ask you this day to remember uh, that time when God called you uh, from sin to life, uh, from death to life, uh, when he calls you from death to, etern- to eternity. Uh, Peter is not a creator of fables, but a credible eyewitness, willing to lay down his life for the cause Christ. And I ask you the question today, are you willing to lay down your life for the cause of Christ? Uh, In the Smith's Bible Dictionary, it says, at the end of the scene, the disciples saw no man save Jesus alive. Moses and Elijah, and this is in reference to Matthew chapter 17, Moses and Elijah, the law and the promise, types and shadows pass away the gospel, the fulfillment, the substance, Christ remains. The only one who can relieve the misery of earth and glorify our nature, Christ, all in all. Is he your all in all today? Is Christ your all in all today? Now we must understand that that which we read is inspired scripture. It is inspired of God. 2 Peter 1, verses 19 through 21. Uh, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time, by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Peter states the word of prophecy is more sure, trustworthy, than the fables of the false teachers. We don't need to go to any other book. I was reading an article uh, by Dr. Tony Evans, and he says the problem uh, with, our, with our pastors and our teachers today is that they're changing books. We don't need to change the book. Uh, The Bible is the holy and inspired word of God. And in verse 20, uh, we see that it has been understood as saying no one person has the only interpretation of any scripture. The Lord is a God of relationship who wants to reveal himself to all his people. So when you're reading the Bible, Uh, It may be saying something different to you than it is to me based on our experiences because God is speaking through his word directly to your experience. And that's what happens when we have distractions in our life because the distraction is to take us away from communing with God. We must set aside a time when we can commune with God. Read his holy word. Read his scripture so that he can talk to us and speak to the very situation that we're in. 
The Lord is a God of relationship who wants to reveal himself to all his people, not reserve the understanding of his word for elite factions or select individuals. As well, God and his word are multifaceted and can minister to each of us in different ways based on where we are in our walk with him and the situations we face. This does not mean we can interpret scripture any way we choose. Our interpretations and applications of spiritual things are subject to critique and confirmation by other believers and must not violate other scriptures. Verse 20 of the text has been understood to say, Scripture is God-breathed, not humanly inspired. It came solely through the will of God. Holy men of God spoke from God only after they were moved by him through the Holy Spirit. This is a beautiful depiction of the symmetry that uh, transpires in our spiritual walk with God. He calls, he moves, and he inspires. And in response, we hear, we respond, and flow in the power of the Spirit. He does not violate our wills, and we cannot usurp his will. It is this networking of the divine and human wills that results in God's plan being accomplished. Everything we need is in the word of God. He has made it possible for us to survive this world so that we can meet with him in eternity. So there is no reason for a Christian not to continually grow spiritually. For God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Let me say that again. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So whatever circumstance may come your way, whatever situation may come your way, whatever life experiences that you're going through, whatever negativity that that you're experiencing in your life today, the troubles, the turmoil, the, 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 the sacrifices that you have to make in order to provide for your family. There is an answer. And God has given that answer through his word. God calls and provides the resources for every Christian to grow in Christ. Finally, I go back to what our senior pastor said. If we are not cleansed in the present, we have no future. We either grow or we deteriorate. That's what we call spiritual decline. And there are some of us that are going through a spiritual decline. Um, how do we know? Well, we are, you know, we are challenged. There are times when we go through a time of deceit, deception. Um, there are some that go through a time of uh, idolatry and um, adultery. Uh, Some of us are facing a a prayerless life. Um, if If I were to ask each and every one of you, when was the last time you prayed? I mean, prayed. Uh, I don't know how many of us would have an answer. Uh, There is worldliness in our lives where we are mixing um, things of the spirit and things of the world. Um, there is unfruitfulness. 
there is a, a form of empty formalism. There is a type of rebellion. Uh, and this we're talking about um, describing people in the church. I'm not talking about people in the world. I'm talking about people in the church. So we have to really turn our eyes to Jesus. We really need to look to Scripture to transform us, to change us, to renew us again, because there are many of us that are failing. There are many of us that are falling, and we need Jesus again. We need a Jesus experience again. We need a Damascus experience again so that God can change us through and through. And I'm going to turn it over to you, Sina Pastor, so that you can pray for us that there be a life-changing experience that begins in our hearts today. Today is the day that we turn Thank our lives back to the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. What a lesson. And I hope that you have been moved by the writings of Peter. And I hope you have been inspired to do better, all of us. I think the Spirit is speaking to us today. Next week we will talk about be filled with the Spirit. We will go to Pentecost. But I think that this lesson is getting us there, preparing us for that. And I like what was said in the ending, Pastor O. God calls, moves, and he inspires. And I believe he's calling somebody today. I believe that somebody is moved today. I believe he's inspiring somebody today to do greater service for the Lord. All the work that we do, all our labor, amounts to nothing if we do nothing for the Lord. If we work for him, he will say, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the things prepared for you. If we have done nothing, he will say, Depart from me. I know you're not. But he calls, he moves, he inspired, and we hear, we are hearing him. I hope you will respond, and I hope that you will flow in the power of the Spirit. I believe, Pastor Ho, that he's preparing us for a reunion. When we get back together, it cannot be church as usual. It must be different. God is doing something in the atmosphere that we don't understand. And he doesn't have to tell us. He doesn't need our permission. He's doing something, and all we have to do is respond, hear, respond, and flow in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is going to move. God is going to move by his Spirit. I want to pray for somebody this morning, this afternoon, somebody who feels helpless, somebody who feels lonely, somebody who thinks that nobody cares about you, somebody who is not even sure if you are saved. But I want to pray for you this morning. I want to present you to God. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Reach out to the Lord this morning. The Spirit is moving. I can feel him. I can feel him moving. I don't know if you feel him, but I feel him this morning. And I need you to reach out to him this morning. 
And if he speaks to you, say, yes. Yes, Lord, I surrender. I surrender all. Say, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Perhaps you're a backslider. Perhaps you once knew him. Perhaps you used to be vibrant, but you're not enjoying that vibrancy anymore. You can't even feel him. You're not even sure what is going on. Can you find your rightful place in God again and let him use you and let him inspire you and let him help you to save somebody? Let us pray this morning. Father, we bless your name, your honored, your sacred name, your holy name. Thank you for speaking to our souls this morning. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that we feel. We cry this morning, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us this morning. We sing this morning, O Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send the revival. Stop the work in us. O God, you can speak at any time and from anywhere. And we pray this morning that as we hear your voice, we will answer, here am I, send me. Oh God, young Samuel said that when he heard your voice, he did understand. And he ran to Eli. Eli said, go back and say, speak, Lord. Thy servant hear it. We hear you this morning, Lord. I put to respond to you. We pray for those who are getting weak in you this morning. We pray for strength. We pray for those who have lost the love, those who never love you well, those who are slack in their salvation, those who don't have a strong testimony. Time is short and it's winding up. But we pray that you will have mercy. We cry like David, have mercy upon me according to thy loving kindness. And according to thy tender mercy, blot out my transgression. Save somebody this morning. Speak to somebody. Strengthen somebody this morning. Raise somebody up this morning. Oh God, when we asunder part, it gives us inward pain. But we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. And that's the hope we have that we will meet again. We pray for everyone this morning, far and near. We pray for those who have left your presence. We pray for those who don't want to love you anymore. Help us to serve thee, Lord, because we know that you're coming back with your hand full of reward, and you will pay the man according as your word shall be. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you. We just bless your name this morning. We just worship and glorify you and we honor you today and we celebrate you today as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we celebrate you as our soon coming King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And help us to be mindful of your church. Oh God, we bless you this morning and we thank thee for everyone. We thank thee for the anointing and the inspiration given unto us. We pray that you will heal this morning. We pray that you will set free. Oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
our Lord and our Savior. We say amen and amen.